0: Thanks for checking out this episode, Disrupting Our Money Conversations. Liz says if you want a better relationship with your money, it's time to slow down on our spending. Look at the numbers and see how we feel. She says that if we are spending our money and is not bringing us joy, rejuvenation, and connection, it's time to lean in and have a money conversation. But before we jump into the interview, Let me tell you a little bit more about Anchor, so please stick around and enjoy the show. Hello, friends, and welcome to another episode of Coffee with Tea. I'm your host, Tanya Tyler, and this is going to be an interesting conversation because finances have never been my strong suit, so why not have an expert? So I invited Ms. Liz Kitchell to come on here and talk about disrupting our money conversations that we probably had in our own heads who's not helping us very well. So without further ado, I'd like to introduce Ms. Liz Kitchell, who will send us some phenomenal information on finances. So thank you for being here, Ms. Liz.
1: Thank you so much for having me, Tanya. It is amazing, and um, I'm so excited to share information with you and anybody listening and I'm sure it's timely whatever they hear.
0: Oh, thank you. Thank you. So like I said, as I was saying in the intro, um, I, I have to admit sometimes I'm one of those people who've had financial issues in the past and, but yet I always stuck my head in the sand. So how do we, um, basically start, uh, growing past some of our mistakes? What, what would be some of your, um, insight as to why we do this and how can we grow.
1: Absolutely. Well, let me back up a little bit, Tanya. There are two sides of money. The first side of money is this linear approach. It's what people typically understand with regards to money. And it save so much money on a monthly basis, on a yearly basis, 10% going to a savings account. It's everything that you know with regards to financial independence, right? Um, it's what's been taught in typically locker rooms, boardrooms, how to earn money, invest money, save money. It's typically been an old boys club, right? So it's, it's very common that women don't necessarily have a good grasp on money on the linear side. But we also have this experiential side of money and some people gravitate towards the linear side and the experiential side. And it doesn't matter if you're man, woman, it's really you have a tendency of a way of thinking. Right. So on this experiential or creative side, money is a vehicle to live your life and that you are probably really good at that. That's my
0: guess. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Uh, Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, um, if, if you're the type of person, maybe a romantic person, that's like, money will always be there. I'll bury my head in the sand. If things aren't going well, it'll turn around. So if this resonates with you, you're kind of this romantic personality that's just kind of, um, It's a vehicle, I'm gonna live my life and life is to be lived to the fullest, which is fantastic because there are people that forget that aspect of money as well. It is not just a destination of put so much in your savings account, put so much in your 401k so you can have a life later on. You have to have a balance and almost a dance between the linear and the experiential side of money or you can call it the logical and the creative side of money. And if people that do that and do that, well, they're very successful and happy.
0: Right. So, I mean, where do, where does the conversation begin with yourself and having that, that balance or, you know, how do we create that?
1: So a lot of times like um, a romantic, for example, um, the reason that they're so busy living their life is, um, they may not have gotten all the attention or they had to you know, be creative as a child by themselves and entertain themselves and things just kind of worked out and um, it's just fine that's great right we're here to teach ourselves to be um, resilient and to be our own heroes of our own journey what you do is you start off by slowing down on the spending and start looking at the numbers if you can start paying attention to the numbers How are you spending money? But not just how, but how do you feel when you spend the money? If after each expenditure, if you're feeling depleted a day or two later, the marketing did a great job and said those new shoes or that new purse or that new haircut is what you need to feel better. And if it's leaving you depleted, it actually isn't. You're trying to fill a void in life, an unmet need by this purchase, instead of really getting curious about, what it is the experiences that would bring you joy, rejuvenation, and connection. If we can get curious about that question, what brings us joy, rejuvenation, and, and um, connection, then we don't feel lonely. Then we don't always need the purse. You can have the purse, right? I don't believe in depriving yourself. You can have the purse and the savings account. But if <laughs> is really going to bring you joy rejuvenation and connection right and that's fine if it does
0: I love that I never even thought about that so it's basically like maybe thinking about we make our purchases off of an emotional need that we're not not feeding or something is that what you're saying
1: right so in life we have basic needs that we have and the needs might be connection it might be food and shelter um, it might be a physical need, like you need to exercise, et cetera. Dr. Marshall Rosenberg created a beautiful list of needs when he came up with nonviolent communication. And I love them because there's only seven, but it's meaning, purpose, connection. Um, physical needs are all in one category. That includes shelter, water, um, feeling safe, getting enough food. So we may know people that didn't have the resources when they were younger of the food, but for somehow all the others being met, connection, meaning, purpose, fun, and they're able to pull themselves out of a financial situation and create empires because they only had one need not met. So it's really interesting. It's called Nonviolent Communication by Dr. Marshall Rosenberg. And when we look at it, it's basically getting curious why the emotion is there. If we understand why the emotion is there, what need is not being met, Then we can get curious on how to fix that need. So, if I am going out and spending a lot of money every day going to get a Starbucks coffee and I'm trying to figure out how to save an additional $100 a month, the easiest thing in the world to do is to say, don't get the Starbucks coffee. Right. So, $5 times five, that's $25 a week. That's, you know, that's $100 a month. But I've known people to do this and they say, why is I spend more money than going out to dinner with my friends? Right. That getting the Starbucks at 1030 every day, mid morning break at work was their connection. Mm. The way to belong with their coworkers. So when that happens and they see that they're spending money somewhere else, what they're trying to do is refill the connection because the connection is not being met from their coworkers now. They're now having to spend more money at dinner with friends.
0: Oh, okay, okay.
1: So if they just went for the walk and maybe didn't get the coffee, that's one way to do it, or find another place to save the hundred dollars. So that's just one story.
0: Right, right. So, I I mean, you you talk about the linear and I'm always going to mess it up. Uh, The logical and the creative aspect. So, how do you, like I said, how do we, uh, I guess, marry up these two? What's what's some of the tips that we can, um, like. so you you
1: start with your personality (laughs) the personality that's telling the stories right now we all have a personality that's linear we all have a personality that's creative sometimes we rely on the creative to manage the finances okay right Mm -hmm. so that's when you pause and say is this story still working for me so like for example you said you'll bury your head in the sand and hope it all just works out right so paying a little attention and writing things down and noticing how you're feeling. And, um, and even when you want to run away and not write some things down, just lean in and do it anyway. Write down your expenses. See how you're feeling. Have a conversation with your spouse. And say, what is it we really want to create? It's really hard to make a change in our life if we don't have a reason why the change would be beneficial.
0: Mm. I've, I've heard that, because usually I know a lot of us will make a change out of the fear of loss, but we don't think about the gains that we might have, right?
1: Right, so everybody feels that they have to give something up to make a change. It's also right. the same thing around the money. If you think there's three main areas of money, how do you save money, how do you invest money, and how do you earn money, um, and spend. I guess there's four. There is four, sorry. There's four categories I talk about. And there's a scarcity mindset in each one of those. So scarcity mindset with regards to earning money is I can't make over a certain amount because I'll have to sacrifice something, family time. Or if I make a certain amount of money, everybody will look at me as a bank and I don't want people coming to me and asking for money. I might lose my friends because they'll see me as a sellout. Mm. So there's lots of different stories that could pop up with regards to the scarcity mindset of how to earn more money. Because yeah. maybe I'll just have to work harder. And I don't want to do that.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think you're touching on all those things that have gone through my head. And like you said, I think, you know, I've heard people say they sabotage their own success. Is this usually like, uh, I guess, a contributing factor to that?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So how you do money is how you do everything.
0: Ah, that's a good one. How you do money is how you do everything.
1: Right. So once you kind of figure out your money story and what's missing, you know, maybe you're good at the creative side, but not at the logical side and you get logical, then you go, Oh, what I just learned with money, I can go now translate to my business or I can go translate to my relationships in a way. Right. Um logical people sometimes have a really hard time with some relationships because they don't know how to pause and be present.
0: Oh, that's a and do the
1: experiential things that are like bring people closer together.
0: So there's like um there's really I guess our emotions and tied are really tied to our money. So I've heard suggestions on people write letters to their money. Is there like uh, tips that you could use to like help you, I guess salvage your relationship with your money it, it sounds like it's a relationship issue that you might it do. is a
1: relationship issue right <laughs> so let's say you and your spouse are having problems what what are some of the things you may do uh
0: like in the relationship well you to make it better or just to avoid there's two ways you can do it. <laughs> it's like, You're like you are want, we working it out or, or not so yeah, you do you want it. the
1: do you want your relationship with money to work out or not
0: Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you want the
1: end, right. The end product is you want to have a healthy relationship with open communication with money. Right. Right. So the other thing is that a lot of people forget is you can't think your way out of an emotional situation. The more you try and think your way out of an emotional situation, the more personalities you're actually going to bring forward. And I know that's going to sound a little crazy for a moment, but we have different personalities that handle different things in life, right? We might have a romantic, we might have a banker, we might have a school teacher inside of our head, we might have you know, a mother, we're all these things. We're also a child who likes to be creative and build and enjoy the butterflies and watch and frolic with frogs or any of that, right? Mm-hmm. So it's about settling into some of this. And Um, figuring out what what are your gifts and skills and talents and where are you lacking some of them, right? But not beating yourself up. It's just recognizing which one's talking. In your head, you're not only logical, but you're also a creative writer. Right. So a lot of those stories are creative writings from when you were a child and you made up stories of stuff to justify things might have happened. So if we think about it in that regard, and you try and think your way out of it, the different parts of you don't always get along on the best way out.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, this is like you said, this is a whole new perspective of, and I love relationships. So, I mean, it, it, I never even really thought about, oh, I'm in relationship with my money. So, <laughs> with that, discovering like that, um, where did you come up with this passion for the money? Or or how did, I mean, how did you really get into, um, going with this uh, passion and educating people on their money stories. So I was a financial
1: advisor and trained to coach financial advisors for over 20 years. And um, I always dealt with people that had money. As a financial advisor, people have to have money to go ahead and invest. You know, you don't have $5,000 in the bank and then you just go to invest. You typically have 50,000 saved, $100,000 saved, and then you get started. There's other ways to start first but that's that's the old way it started when i started back in the industry in 1990 is you know you have some money you set it aside and then you go and invest and then you add money to it and you do certain percentages over time i always dealt with money who were already in some way shape or form affluent okay when i went and changed from one firm to another firm and they expanded my role and asked me to take on um, sales conversations with bankers who would also deal with people that weren't investing yet, I saw a whole nother relationship with money. Mm -hmm. And I said, wow, there's a whole group of people out there that I need to understand and lean in and figure out. So the other part of it, so I also realized I was doing everything right logically. I was saving all the money I was doing all these things and up until having a family, I took three or four vacations a year. I did whatever I wanted to when I wanted to do it. Then you have a family, life shifts, started traveling for work again around the United States, training some of these financial advisors. And what I was realizing was I had forgotten how to dream. Mm. I had forgotten the experiential side of money. And my husband and I, when we got married, we even um, gave up our honeymoon just to save money. Wow. That was in 2008 and things were starting to turn and we're like, you know what, let's not do this. We were gonna have a wedding in Cincinnati and a wedding in New York because that's both of our hometowns, right?
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And um, we had the one in Cincinnati, we canceled the one in New York, we canceled the one, We canceled our honeymoon and we still did something, you know, we, we cherish and um, did some other things. But looking back, you're like, wow, a honeymoon is a celebration of the couple coming together, right?
0: Right.
1: And as time went on over, the, over from 2008 until, you know, about four or five years ago, it started even spiraling a little bit more out of control with regards to me embracing the experiential side of money. And money is a vehicle to live your life. When you wake up one day and you realize you're just going through the motions, you've forgotten to have a dream. Wow. That's
0: deep. I never even thought about that.
1: Yeah. So what it came down to for me is I had to bring the experiential side money back forward before I would lose my relationships. And so once the relationships go, then the other stuff might go, then the money might go. And then after the money goes, then the house might go. And then, Mm -hmm. so I was starting to see how, um, I was becoming a victim in my life and that was not who I was and I just leaned in and started applying everything I had learned over the years and I had taken 20 years of spiritual psychology and I was like oh my god I'm talking concepts I'm not applying them Mm. so I paused and started applying them in my own life first and then as I did that I wanted to share it with the masses I love it I love it
0: so I mean there's there's a whole other story and we're just like tipping the iceberg. Right, exactly. I, can't, I can't imagine how fast the time goes by. So I want to get it in for those who, um, who are just tuning in. How, what's the one thing you really want to leave with our audience today?
1: So the one thing I want to leave the audience with is if you're on autopilot with regards to anything with regards to money, whether that's your spending patterns You know, your earning patterns, just surviving patterns, any of that, pause. Mm. And ask yourself, what is the money really for? Because it is a vehicle to live your life. Money should not be more important than anything else. You should have a love for your life and a love for money. Not love money, (laughs) but you're in this relationship with money that's a healthy, respectful relationship that allows you to live your life.
0: Hmm. Wow. So, I mean, like, so we're going to, I'm going to definitely have, invite you back. Cause like I said, this is a whole new ball game for me. I'm actually like, Oh my God. I'm, you know, I never even thought about being a partner with my money. before. Right.
1: So. <laughs> well, let me tell you, let me tell you too, like there's a whole nother realm on top of this. We're talking about an individual level, Tanya, like right. individuals have to get this down, but there are people that learn to survive in an economic circle because that's how they get things done. They do it in community because they need to, because they might be economically isolated. Mm. Neither are wrong. And all financial independence is taught from an independent level. Maybe we're doing it wrong. Maybe there needs to be this combination of community and individual. Right. But that's down the road. You know, that's when everybody has a sense of feeling safe and having their needs met. Maybe who knows what happens.
0: Right. So, I mean, I know with this whole... uh, you know COVID-19 I'm not going to go diving in there that's a whole other issue that we haven't even really dealt with yet so right. I know like I said we're, we're getting close on time and like I said you have so much information I would still love to have but where where can people write who want to know more information about what you're doing and some of your services where can they find you at?
1: right now we do most of our information on Facebook and Shimula just like it sounds S-H-E-M-O-O-L-A-H. It's slang for her money. So Shimula, all one word. Um, it's where we have most of our class offerings and conversations, etc. A website is coming. It'll be www.shimula.com. And um, they can also find me on LinkedIn, Liz Kitchell. Yeah.
0: Okay. Again, Liz, you you brought a lot of information. Like maybe maybe take my head out of the sand a little bit. So. <laughs>
1: I'll hold your <laughs> hand through this. Don't be
0: worried. for your wisdom. Thanks for tuning into this episode. I want to always remind you that feedback is welcome. Email us if you have any show ideas or guests that you'd like to see. Links will always be provided in the comments. Please share us with your friends. And remember, take things in stride. Go with the flow and create your own path. And again, thank you for tuning in. Bye-bye.